You are listening to Cut Jib Newsletter Speaks, a deep podcast. This is series number five, episode seven for Friday, October 27th, 2023. JJ Sefton here, along with my good friend, co-blogger and co-host CBD. And today we have a very, very special guest and I'll let the CBD uh, take it away and introduce him. Well, we're quite lucky to have Jim Lakely on. Uh, he's the vice president and director of communications of the Heartland Institute. Um, his expertise is uh, our favorite uh, um, whipping post, which is um, the ridiculous energy policy of the United States and how it has morphed into um, some horrible, horrible uh, political decisions, um, corporate decisions, and uh, it's being thrust upon us um, with without any interest in the actual um, Oh, boy. I mean, the science, uh, the economics, uh, you name it, and it has not been looked at correctly. Anyway, uh, without further ado, here is Jim Lakely. I'm, I'm very happy to be on with you guys. A big fan of the podcast and, of course, uh, Ace, of Play, Ace of Spades HQ. Um, I, I read it every day, literally every day. I read every post every day. And um, as Joe Biden would say, not a joke. If you guys do not cover a story, it's not worth knowing. So I know that all the important stuff that's going on in the world is important, and I only need to know about it because you guys are writing about it. Well, that is that is a high, high praise indeed. Thank you so much, Jim. We appreciate it. So uh, just a, a little bit of an anecdote. Um, I was in the Mountain West uh, three, four weeks ago, and I drove about 1,500 miles on, uh, on Mountain West roads. Uh, interstates and um, and state routes, and I saw a grand total of two Teslas, and one of them was in a uh, rather wealthy town, and it was pulling out of somebody's driveway. So my assumption was that it wasn't going to be used on the highway. It was somebody's second or third or fourth or fifth car. Yeah. But it was fascinating to me that that with this multi-billion-dollar boondoggle of electric vehicles, nobody's using them on the highways. What a shock! <laughs> Yeah, there's good reason for that. Uh, it's not a, it, it, even a Tesla is not a very good highway vehicle, to be honest. <laughs> and it's obvious that's the case. Well, you know, you know uh, luckily, we don't have very many highways in the United States and it's a yeah, small yeah. country, so everything will work out <laughs> fine, right? Yeah, it's, it's a good thing. Everybody lives right next to grandma for Thanksgiving so that you don't have to drive anywhere for anything like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I live in northern Illinois uh, in the, in the northwest suburbs. Which, um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, uh, I'm not wealthy, but there's a lot of wealthy people around here. And you see quite a few Teslas and they are, you know, they're a, they're, they're a luxury vehicle, of course. And they're, and they're somebody's second or third or gosh, maybe even fourth vehicle. <laughs> and it's the one they use to, you know, zip over to the country club or, you know, go grocery shopping. But the idea that uh, a Tesla, even if you were able to, um, you know, it's the top of the line, right? It's it it's the longest. It's got the longest range. It's got the most comfort and the best tech. And then, of course, uh, Elon Musk is trying to set up these fast charging places all over the place. Um, you know, I, I travel. I'm, I'm from Pittsburgh, and I travel back and forth from Pittsburgh uh, a few times a year. And for for years, it's like the idea that you could make a tr a trip like that uh, in an electric vehicle of any kind, let alone you know a luxury Tesla is absurd. Um, it's not practical. It's, it's electric vehicles are fine. If you are wealthy and have the money to waste on a, uh, virtue signaling status symbol of a Tesla. 
But the idea that somebody out there just cannot wait to get their hands on the 2024 Nissan Leaf because they just love electric vehicles is absurd. And what's great is that uh, Buck Throckmorton over there at uh, at your blog, Ace of Spades HQ, uh, writes about, he covers electric vehicles and the, the industry and the uh, the way it's collapsing and how it's not practical um, quite regularly. And it's always a lot of, it's always fun to read it. In fact, that's how, again, I keep up with really the uh, the failures of the electrical vehicle market is by reading uh, Buck and you guys. But, you know, the, the Ford just announced that they are no longer going to be shipping any more F-150 Lightnings to dealers because they're all stocked up and they can't even sell the ones they have on their lots. So they're going to put a new, they're going to keep their 2023s and they're going to put a, a, a 2024 uh, plate on it and say, this is, this is the new F-150 Lightning when it's actually just the old one that they have to keep in storage because nobody is buying them. Um, it's, it's, it's a market that doesn't actually exist if not for government. And it's not, it's not, it's bad enough that government, um, government subsidies is propping up the entire industry, including of course, uh, uh, Tesla and Elon Musk, but you add to that government mandating the, the, the construction and the, and the manufacture of electric vehicles by, of course, out, outlawing what people call, I, they call them ICE vehicles now, internal combustion engine. I, I, I don't like to use that term. I like to call them cars, regular cars. You know, so don't make me change the terminology for the car that we've known our entire lives and we've known for generations by calling it an ICE. But the, um, you know, it's when the government is, is like California, I think, what is it, 2030? They will no longer allow new cars that are not electric to be sold in that state. That, that's absurd. But all of these companies, all the big three, I guess, have, have bought all in on it because they're getting subsidies, because the, the governments are mandating it. And they're finding out, frankly, faster than I would have imagined that this is a bad, bad deal. And they are, they are in big, big trouble. And I couldn't uh, I couldn't think of companies that deserve ruination more. You know, Jim, I, I got to say, you know, I, I personally kind of like that they call them ICE vehicles because that <laughs> means that all the illegal aliens are going to be scared shitless of buying one. And they're going to go heading back <laughs> to south of the border. So keep calling them ICE vehicles, baby. That's yeah, ICE, ICE, baby. We, we love that. But, I had not but, thought but, of that. Good point. <laughs> but in all, in all seriousness, really, it's beyond the, the, the madness in their method and the ideologically driven uh, idiocy or the idiotic ideology, either way you want to slice it. There is an insidious, the, the insidious um, uh, shall we say, reasoning behind all this, and it has nothing to do with the environment, and it has everything to do with control, uh, mm-hmm. and part of that is destroying the middle class. Because uh, like health insurance now, a friend of mine was bemoaning this. They make these these crazy, uh, you know, now that they've taken over Obamacare, Obamacare taking over the insurance industry, they make it almost impossible for you to really afford uh, your own private insurance. And they want to get you into the into the government program. And of course, the government program is a complete failure. And the yeah. same thing with these electric vehicles. Electric vehicles are not practical vehicles for, you know, for long distance, everyday uh, use. Uh, by the average citizen, and the average citizen can't even afford the damn things without a government subsidy. Right. Um, I believe there was there was a, an article earlier that the 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 founder or the CEO now of, of Toyota, Akio yep. Toyota, basically came out and said electric vehicles are a joke. And of course, he's been he's being silenced by his own by his own company now. And it said this guy was one of the you know one of the the founding fathers, if you will, of the of 
the automobile. And, and in this country, Toyota became a wildly successful and wonderful and reliable brand of automobile. So there's an insidious thing behind this, which has part and parcel of, um, you know, just destroying the American way of life and making people uh, not mobile and thereby more dependent and more vulnerable to government control. Yeah. I mean, in fact, it's funny you bring up the Toyota thing, um, you know, uh, Akio Toyota. So, yeah, he's pretty big in the company or used to be the former CEO. And he, mm-hmm. st- he was uh, pretty much forced out of his position because he wasn't getting on the, um, you know, the BS EV train. And he tried to warn the industry that this is um, that this is not not sustainable <laughs> to, use, to, to use a term the, the uh, environmental left likes that it's not it's not going to work. And in fact, his quote today. Uh, was people are finally seeing reality. And like I said, it, it's happening faster than I than I would have thought. I thought we would have gotten a few years down the line before the auto companies would have discovered that, uh, you know, switching to primarily, if not entirely, free, uh, manufacturing electric vehicles was a bad deal because people don't want them. Uh, and and JJ, you know, you, you hit on something very important. The 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 people the the systems uh, the people in power and influence that are that have been pushing electric cars they're all part of the climate cult and the point is not to save the environment obviously um, because it's not going to have any real effect on the environment in fact the manufacture of an electric vehicle um, when you when you consider the slave labor in um, mainly in Africa to mine the cobalt children um, mining the the materials that are necessary to to build uh you know to put the uh the battery in something like a Tesla or a Nissan Leaf or a F F150 Lightning um it's it's morally terrible but the point is and they don't care about that because that's the price they're willing to pay not to save the environment but to take away your freedom um the the american ideal i mean america is a car culture i mean especially if you ever lived or um i'm sure you have lots of listeners and readers in california I mean, oh yeah, you know, the California car culture. I mean, the the movie American Graffiti by by George Lucas was just a celebration of the classic American car culture. You know, as 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 um you know as noted, America is a big country. People need reliable, affordable transportation, not just to get to the store and back, but to live in the suburbs. Um, co- you know, comfortably or just practically to live in the suburbs, you need a, you need a reliable and affordable vehicle. But again, if you if I when I want to drive back to Pittsburgh to see my family for Thanksgiving or Christmas or or other special occasions, I can't get if I had an electric vehicle, I have to plan two days to get there just to make sure I can get there on time. That's absurd. You know, even in the best scenario, if I was forced to only have an electric car and I was to drive the seven hours from from the Chicagoland area to Pittsburgh, um, gosh, I hope there's a there's a uh, there's a charging station somewhere on the way where before i run out of power and i hope the line for it isn't too long and i hope it isn't broken uh you know it's it's and i hope that and the charger actually fits my particular vehicle as well um a couple years ago i was driving um and uh, i have other family that live in the philadelphia area so i actually do a lot of driving from the midwest back east and we were up on this mountain um we were going across interstate 80 um, across northern pennsylvania or central pennsylvania and we were coming over this mountain and there was, and we stopped to get some coffee and, uh, and then continue on our way. And there were people, this was two years ago, people lined up waiting to charge their cars. And I thought, man, you poor bastards, you're never getting home. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, absolutely. I'm going to get home, but you're not, you know, I feel bad for you. 
and people are being sold a bill of goods. And it's, it's absurd that we, that we keep pretending that this is, this is actually going to work. It's not. And again, the point isn't for it to work. The point is to make it so that you can't afford to have a vehicle that works for you so that your freedom is reduced so that you will um, live in the way that our betters think you should. That's absolutely correct. Um, I'm sorry. I I was interrupting you. you, I'm, I'm livid with rage right now. Um, 100% (laughs) correct. You know, the industrial revolution, um, did many, many things for Western society, um, in particular the United States, and that is it created something called leisure time. Um, before the <laughs> Industrial Revolution, we, you know, people worked six and a half or seven days a week uh, just to subs- just to subsist, to, just to live. They had to to spend most of their waking hours on productive labor. The Industrial Revolution changed that, and yeah. in the United States, most of all, we have the the leisure to spend vacation time, leisure time, just bopping around in your 57 Chevy. Mm. And that is what is going to change if if these these climate uh, lunatics get their way. What they will do is, first of all, they'll increase the cost of the of the of the typical car. They will just hugely increase the time spent going from point A to point B, which will cut into people's leisure time. So what we're doing is absolutely retrograde we are we are we were moving backwards to before the time of the industrial revolution and it's simply insanity and it, it's so frustrating because the united states has has created this wonderful culture that you know you work hard you play hard um and on you know saturday afternoons you you sit in your driveway with with a couple of beers and you work on your car with your buddies and then the next weekend you're off to wherever and it might be 500 miles away and that's that was entirely possible but mm-hmm. with the advent of the of the uh, what what does Buck Throckmorton from Ace of Spades call it? Um, yeah, the um, the sustainable organic church of the carbon apocalypse. Yeah. We can no longer do that because we no longer have the leisure time to to spend, and we no longer have the the excess income because it will be spent on these ridiculously expensive cars. And by the way, let's face it: charging uh, an electric car costs money. Yep. It's cute to pr- pretend that all of this is free, but it isn't free. It's being paid for by your employer if you've got one in the in the in your uh, building's garage. But you know, driving down the interstate and pulling over and, and charging for forty five minutes or an hour, an hour and a half, or two hours if you have to wait in line, but that nightmare. costs money. You put your credit card in the machine if it's working, as Jim yeah. pointed out, and you wait and you pay. So that you know, there's no free lunch. The law of law of thermodynamics, you can't change it. It's just the way it is. Yeah, well, you know, you know oh, I'm sorry, Jim. You know, you, you touched upon something. Uh, you know, we were talking about, you know, the the inability to move around and the inability to you know, the lack of freedom. Um, this is this is why the the insanity and the stupidity of the ideology of of, of the junta and of these and of Marxists and Leninists that control our government now yeah. is at on the one hand. They are trying to force people to live in the cities. And on the other hand, you know, and not have cars and be, you know, oh, bicycles or whatever the heck we're going to, we're going to commute, you know, commute on rickshaws, who the hell knows what. Um, of course, white people will be pulling black people in the rickshaws because of racism. Um, but the, the other thing, on the other hand, they're driving people out of the cities by decriminalizing crime. So what the hell do you have? I mean, it's like, a, you know, the, the self-licking ice cream cone that's that's licking itself to death or the, the food bird that's shoving its head up its ass. 
So you want people in the cities, but at the same token, they're in the cities and they're and, and they're being killed off by criminals. It's absolutely just just utterly madness. And this this nonsense of just literally outlawing the internal combustion engine and the automobile that is driven by an internal combustion engine and mandating to have uh, electric vehicles, which are completely unproven, unreliable, and with the exploding batteries, completely dangerous, not to mention the fact that some of the lithium and the other components are manufactured in countries that are no longer friendly to us, i.e. China. Um, and, you know, it's it's like a Soviet five-year plan. You're just going to decree that this is going to happen, regardless of the fact that it can't happen. And I find it uh, encouraging, as you point out, Jim, that people ain't buying this, you know, ain't going to go for this. But the fact of the matter is the government has the gun at our proverbial head and maybe a literally or figurative gun. I don't know. But, you know, something can't something ain't going to work at some point. Yeah, you know, JJ, you know, if, if I wasn't so um, so cynical, um, I would think I would think that you're trying to make the point that our ruling class does not really care about us and the ordinary people. Hmm, um, I think so. <laughs> When when John Kerry uh, gets into a motorcade after he flies on his private jet uh, to Davos or to Iceland or yeah he I think he he picked up some kind of Arctic Circle Climate Award in Iceland the other day I mean, geez these people talk about self licking ice cream coats in a circle <laughs> you know all these guys but um, you know he, when he gets in his motorcade that's not an electric vehicle and of course it's obviously not an electric plane and um, these people uh, Barack Obama doesn't live. Uh, I mean, I suppose he has a house in a very wealthy neighborhood, Hyde Park in Chicago, but he's never there. Um, he lives on, um, you know, in an estate on Martha's Vineyard. And then, you know, maybe I don't know where he winters, probably back in Hawaii, but he's not living in the cities that his policies and, and those like him have turned into um, crime riddled hell holes that are unlivable. Um, they don't live the miserable life that they are inflicting on the rest of us. They live very different <laughs> lives and they will live very different lives. Um, they will drive the cars that they want. They will travel to the places that they want to go. They will not live in the places um, that have turned unlivable and, and frankly dangerous, like um, cities like Baltimore and Chicago and New York, um, but we will. And so, you know, the you know, if you if you're into pointing out hypocrisy, they don't care about it. But if you're into pointing out the hypocrisy of these people, none of them live remotely in the way that they're trying to force everybody else to live. And again, it's not about saving the environment. Um, the I think it would take something like five hundred thousand pounds of earth to be dug up to um, to create one battery for a um, not even the big batteries, but like just basically for like the smallest electric vehicle you could have. Um, it, they are very environmentally uh, destructive to create um, uh, you know, the batteries for these electric vehicles. And uh, as you pointed out, JJ, they, they, these things are enormous fire hazards. Are you going to put a, um, are you going to charge overnight your, your car that you need to get to work the next day? Are you going to sleep well at night knowing that uh, you and your children could, could burn in a fire that would take three million gallons of water and six hours to put out if you were lucky enough to get out of your house um, alive would you would you feel comfortable knowing that that's basically a ticking time bomb that it really is only a matter of time until that battery just spont uh, spontaneously combusts and uh, burns down your house and if you live in a townhome the house next to it uh, as well maybe three others on your block you know what if you're in an apartment building in the city of chicago where that has a underground garage or or a garage that's in the first five floors of the building, and that and that and that uh, garage is filled with 
a hundred electric vehicles. It is simply a matter of time until one of those just spontaneously combusts, and that could kill hundreds of people in that building as they have a hard time getting out of that place. If if electric vehicles were not mandated by government, it would be justified for government to ban them. I mean, I'm not big on banning stuff, but if, if you think about it, if it wasn't for the mandates that the government is demanding that we all get these things, there is no way that a safety record that that electric vehicles have um, would be sufficient to um, you know to make it common. And so we're being um, we're being brainwashed into believing that electric cars are the future. They're not even the present, and they're dangerous in the present. But you can expand that uh, to to the concept of net zero. It's not just electric cars that they're pushing on us. They're they're trying to ban gas appliances. Oh, they're geez. trying to push. They're they're trying to to push uh, big buildings. Well, I know that New York City. Well, I don't know, but I'm I'm reasonably confident that New York City. You can't build a new building that is heated with petroleum. Right. So That's true. what they're doing is is they're shifting to a, a, an extraordinarily expensive uh, technology to heat buildings, and they're so they're they, well, JJ, you just talked about this. They're pushing us out of the cities while making the, while pushing us back in. I mean, it, this is an this is a a, a circle of, of illogic that they they seem to think is is going to work, and it simply will not work. You know, you talk about also the other environmental things, uh, Jim and CBD, you know, the, the, the disaster of, of your clean energy. Clean energy is probably the dirtiest, as of the concept of it, is the dirtiest thing ever. Uh, these windmills are killing whales. They're killing eagles. They leak PCBs into the environment when they're not working, which is 90 percent of the time. You have to power them with, with diesel generators. I mean, for me, carbon you know, I will always say this to my dying day, carbon and CO2 are life. Yes, it doesn't mean you burn a stack of tires, you know, like Winnie Mandela would do. And, you know, you release yeah. toxins into the atmosphere. But at the same token, uh, none of these things are as dangerous or nearly as dangerous as people pretend them to be. And CO2, for crying out loud, is plant food. It is a proven fact that even the more CO2 you put into the atmosphere, much of it either gets sunken into the in, into the ocean, which is the sort of the the repository of CO2, and the rest of it is inhaled by green plants. And everybody's bemoaning the, the, the lack of the loss of the rainforests and deforestation of our own forests. And it's been shown that with more CO2 in the atmosphere, you get a lusher environment. More trees, more green things grow. And when more green things grow, what do they produce, people? They produce oxygen, which is what we need in the air to breathe. And it is a wonderful cycle, a cycle of life that has been going on for uh, well, a couple of billion years of the four billion years we've we've been around, and it's going to continue hopefully to go on. But to to call CO two and thank you, who was it? The the idiot moron from the Supreme Court, the Breyer or whoever it was, or Souter, who claimed CO two was a pollutant to be yeah. regulated. That's just you know this is just dog nuts. So again, you know, go tell it to Greta Thunberg, who doesn't want to you know who's 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 too busy uh, calling for the burning of Jews again, which I guess is. Going to cause this, you know, this is part and parcel of this neo-Ludditeism that, that we have. You know, uh, the, one of the other things the Industrial Revolution did for us is that it, that it allowed us to feed the world. We can feed the world easily right now. Um, Norman Borlaug, who was a, a, a genius, uh, taught the world how to, to feed itself, among other people. I, I apologize. He's not the only one. And what they're doing is they're taking so much agricultural land out of production. They're, they're putting these horribly ugly and 
and prone to failure uh, solar panels over hundreds of square miles of the United States and, of course, throughout the world. Uh, they're building these wind farms, and w- which take up thousands and thousands of acres. And first of all, go take a look at your wind farm, the closest one to your house. I'll bet you more than half of them are not spinning, even if there's wind, because they yeah. break down at such a ridiculous rate. Plus, when they fail, and they do fail, and they, they don't, they obviously don't have a an unlimited lifespan. The recycling challenges for these huge, huge machines are significant. Those blades are are very carefully manufactured out of lots and lots of of expensive materials that are difficult to recycle. So we're you know in five or ten or twenty years we're going to have a huge environmental problem simply because of this mania this net zero mania and it's it, i don't see it changing i think jim is correct that the that the the battery vehicle crap is going away because sim- people simply can't afford them and they don't want them but the other stuff which can be pushed much more effectively by government edict and by by corporate mania is going to be much more difficult to change yeah net zero is really about zero zeroing out our way of life, and frankly, zeroing out a lot of humans. Uh, Bingo. Net, net zero is not, uh, it, it's a scam. Um, and it's, if we were ever to quote unquote, get to net zero, um, the books would be cooked by the ruling class to pretend it happened when obviously it it, it, it couldn't because it can't. Um, and of, of course, it's also not necessary. You know, JJ, one of the things that annoys the hell out of me is the idea, you know, two words together called carbon pollution. And calling carbon dioxide a pollutant. Um, the Heartland Institute, we're most known and globally, we're probably the number one think tank in the world that's been fighting now for decades against climate alarmism and, and advocating and promoting the work of scientists who have not lost their minds, who are not on the take by the by governments, um, and actually look at the data and show that you know humans have some small effect on the environment overall. But we are human activity is not causing a climate crisis. Um, Patrick Moore is the co-founder of Greenpeace. Um, he's he's Canadian and he's spoken at we've we've held fifteen international conferences on climate change, and he's um, spoken he's given keynote addresses at a few of them. And I, I saw him mention the other day that well, first of all, that we're, we're historically we're actually kind of low on the carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. To be honest, um, we are at four hundred parts per million. At 150 parts per million, um, everybody dies and everything dies um, because plants die. And then without plants, we're all dead. Um, But 400 parts per million of of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere is actually no big deal. Uh, We've had higher concentrations of of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere during ice ages. We know this from um, looking at uh, ice core samples in Greenland and Antarctica. But, you know, he, he made the point that, you know, it's the 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 idea of the carbon cycle is actually real and that our our um, burning of fossil fuels and the release of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere is basically just putting carbon dioxide from the ground back up where it belongs, which is in the air. <laughs> and then, as you mentioned, that gets cycled into the oceans and other places. So we, we're not creating new CO2. We are um, we are part of the cycle and the natural cycle of Earth. Um, and carbon dioxide is not a problem. But um, as you mentioned, the Supreme Court, um, I forget the name of the case, but yeah, it was... Um, I think it was Massachusetts versus EPA, as a matter of fact. Um, The Supreme Court classified carbon dioxide as a pollutant. It's not a pollutant. 
but that 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 allowed the Environmental Protection Agency in the United States to treat it as such and to regulate it, and uh, lots and lots of nonsense has flowed from it. Well, the regulation of CO two is really the regulation of every almost every human activity and business activity that you could possibly think of, and that's what it's all about. Yeah. Because when they can do that, they can tell you where to live, how to live, what to buy, what not to buy, and where you can go. And that is extremely powerful. And in fact, there's another, as the regulatory, I mean, it's amazing what they can do. And what, I mean, part of it is also, I mean, I touched upon it earlier a little bit, just t- tangentially, uh, with, with uh, when they control healthcare, when they can, when they control your healthcare, which is one sixth of our economy, they really control you. So with that, and with the environment and, and what, what, and, and how businesses, what businesses can manufacture, what they can sell, what they cannot sell. They really got you by the short hairs with that. And as you said, Jim, it's not about, you know, saving the planet or saving, uh, saving whatever or saving the whales or whatever you want. And as CBD talks about, you know, the Luddites, they really have a hard on for wiping out as many people on this planet as they possibly can. Not only just controlling them, but really just wiping them out, period. And that is a really heinous even thing to even contemplate. But there, I mean, they, they've admitted it as such that the planet would be better off with a few billion less of us. And this, well, that's a fascinating idea for me because the the way I look at the at the world, look at the Earth, is that it is it is here for us. We should be, and I think the two of you will agree with me. We should be careful stewards of the Earth. But you know, mining the earth for wonderful chemicals like petroleum is a good thing. Should we be careful? Should we be respectful of the environment? Absolutely. And I think that that the conservative movement in the United States is quite respectful of the environment. But when the environment takes precedence over humanity, that's when it becomes insane. And and the two of you have just described exactly what's going on, that they really don't like people very much. They like a few people. You know, they, they like they like their uh, their stewards and their their fine chefs, but they don't want to see the hoi polloi. They don't want to see us driving on the roads. They'd rather we just go away. Oh, Absolutely. Uh-huh. It's, 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 you know, you touch upon, I mean, the word conservative and conserve itself. This goes back. It's really a Judeo-Christian, and I'm sorry to cut you off there. It's a Judeo-Christian principle that, you know, God, not to sound pompous or whatever, and I maybe I'm butchering it, but from what my understanding of it is God gave man the ability to use the earth to better himself and to better his life and to, and to further, you know, to further humanity in the, in, the, in the glory of God, so to speak. And this is what we do. And again, we, it's not, you know, you don't want to pollute in, in, intentionally. Of course not. That's horrible. But of course, you know, tell it to the red Chinese and the Indians. But and we have done far and away the best we can to be stewards of our, our environment as we possibly could in the last 50, 60 years. I mean, I remember going, you know, seeing film of California where you could or Pittsburgh, where it was literally a thick. You couldn't see the skyline. Now, all of a sudden, 50 years later, or part of it, you know, they get, did away with the steel mills. But that's another story. But the, the environmental controls and the, the pollution controls have made these places much, much cleaner. Just as an anecdotal thing. You know, people, I remember growing up in New York City, people used to throw their trash and let their dogs mm-hmm. crap on the streets. And Ed Koch, may you rest in peace, one of the, the good things that he did when everybody laughed at it was the pooper scooper law. And it forced people to pick up after their dogs. And that one little act led to other things. And people changed their attitudes about being filthy pigs, you know, today notwithstanding. But, you know, we're the cleanest we've ever been. So now extrapolate that to our country and to Western society in general. We're much cleaner than we've ever been, and we are good stewards of our environment. Now, do we have, have any 
influence at all on on the on the on the on the climate. You know that that's that's beyond ridiculous. But of course, it's not the point. Right. Ahead, well, I mean, no, it's it's fine. I mean, you know, just talking about about energy. Um, CBD was talking about the 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 wind farms. I don't like to call them farms. We'll have to think of another term. Wind boondoggle. <laughs> wind factories or wind or, gulags. Uh, actually, yeah, I mean, um, windmills, wind turbines are fantastic at killing birds and bats, um, but they are terrible at, at producing energy. They're they're fantastic bird killers, but um, not so great at, at making reliable energy. But, you know, the environmental left for too long has gotten away with pretending that wind and solar energy are free and they're wonderful. It's using nature's most wonderful gifts of wind and sun to power our lives. Um, do did anyone do an environmental impact on, say, the migration uh, routes of giant tortoises or tortoises in the desert or other animals when, when you're covering a desert uh, with um, with solar panels? Um, if if you um, when a windmill kills a, um, a a bald eagle or another rare raptor, the company that that runs that windmill just gets to collect the bird and throw it in the trash. If a bird accidentally dies, if it just happens to die of natural causes at a uh, coal or natural gas plant, that uh, plant owner is in a heap big of trouble, even though their 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 um, their plant had nothing to do with that death. So all of these 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 so-called environmentalists who care about nature and all this stuff, they th they throw you have to put in their face and make them own the fact that their so-called green energy um, policies and plans are enormously environmentally destructive and you know it's the thing about the environmental movement and the epa in general is that they should have said years ago you know high fives all around uh let's let's break out the champagne we have done it we have cleaned up our rivers we've cleaned up the air we have cleaned up the land um we will try to we will keep an eye on it to make sure that it remains this clean which is amazing um, compared to the 50s, 60s, and 70s, you know, the crying Indian and the trash everywhere. We don't live in that world anymore. Um, <laughs> that, job well done. Well done. Instead, they have focused on carbon dioxide, calling it a pollutant, and they are never satisfied. But if they were interested in making sure that um, our standard of living continues to rise and higher standard of living means longer um, lifespans, means lower um, um, you know, birth, uh, child mortality or infant mortality, things like that. Everything about life is better when you increase standard of living, obviously. If they were interested in that, then, you know, look, um, the coal plants in the United States, um, there are, there is some soot, the scrubbers we put on those, um, on those stacks are, are way cleaner than China, of course. But, you know, that we did, that went a long way to cleaning up, um, the air, um, but, in, but carbon dioxide isn't a pollutant. But then if you if you what was happening was that a lot of these coal plants were converting to natural gas because natural gas is is cheaper um, and, and a little bit more convenient, actually, when you have pipelines coming in. And so a, a natural gas power plant burns um, way, way cleaner than a coal plant, like 75 percent cleaner as far as pollution is concerned. And then, of course, nuclear doesn't emit any carbon dioxide um, if, if, if you care about that. And it's going to, but these guys don't want to get to net, quote unquote, net zero in carbon dioxide emissions by building nuclear plants. They want to do it by building solar and wind that will destroy the environment, that will not provide reliable energy, and that to actually operate at all on our grid needs natural gas or uh, CBD, as you said, diesel backup. So you need to make these environmentalist leftist nut jobs own the fact that their own policies that are supposedly from their 
their their wonderful big green hearts are environmentally destructive and you have to throw it in their face as much as possible and that's and that's an excellent point and and you can extrapolate that even farther let's say let's say that they do get what they want uh, but I'm going to modify it somewhat. Let's say we do produce enough electricity in the world to get rid of the internal combustion engine. Um, now, I'm not sure where the bulldozer is that's going to run on batteries or where the cranes are that can yes. run on batteries. But let's grant them that. So let's get rid of, of all petroleum used in transportation. Okay, that's wonderful. Now, that will mean hundreds, many hundreds of nuclear power plants built across the world. Now that's that's reality. There's no other way to generate the power. Right. So let, yeah, let, let's let's look at that. Are we going does that mean that we will no longer drill for oil? No, of course not. We use petroleum in literally every activity of man. It's not just moving around. It's it's fertilizing our crops. It's building our buildings. It's it's packaging our food. It's it's building our houses. I mean, you you name it, and there's plastic in it. And let's face it, all those all those wonderful battery powered cars that we're going to be driving around, they're filled with plastic. And where do you get plastic? You get it from oil. So th this it's it's unbelievably ignorant of these people to pretend even to pretend that that by by getting rid of the internal combustion engine, we are going to get rid of the use of petroleum. True. I mean, virtually, and, and you touched upon the CBD brilliantly, is that, and, and, and Jim, you know, carbon is life in more ways than we think it is. I mean, we are carbon-based life. Everything we, you know, it's that is organic chemistry. I mean, and I, I didn't do very well in it, but I know enough of it that to know that carbon is one of the essential building blocks of all life on this planet. And as you said, CBD, whether you eat it, whether it's medicine, whether it's clothing, whether it's forget about fuel, whether it's everything that, that you touch, eat, uh, live, wear, whatever it is, is somehow made of or requires some form of carbon in order to, to be manufactured. And without that, you are dead. We are all dead. This world grinds to a to a halt immediately. So that this notion that we want to decarbonize ourselves on the face of it, just on that alone, is absolute madness. I mean, how are you going to grow the theoretically the soybeans to make soybean plastic out of if that's even you know practical or possible? You still need carbon. You still need oil and gas in order to to power these things. The same thing with automobiles. I think, oh, you plug in the magical electricity hose into the wall and voila, there goes the electricity. Well, it comes from a generator. What's <laughs> generating? It's generating from fucking oil, pardon my French, from oil, gas, coal, uh, hydroelectric, or nuclear. There is not no wind, solar, or anything. Not enough of it that can even come close to generating a fraction of what is needed. And also transportation-wise, Everything we get is on is on the railroads. What are the railroads? Those are diesel lo diesel electric locomotives. The electricity is generated on board, but it's generated by diesel fuel. And, and you get rid by of the way, there's, there's only one reason why they are diesel electric. That is, it's 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 much easier to to sh to control speed um, in an electric motor. It would be more efficient if they use just diesel, because obviously when you convert diesel fuel to electricity before you convert it to motion, there's some loss. But if you can imagine how big the transmission would be on a uh, on a, a 3000 horsepower engine, you realize, well, yeah, diesel electric makes sense. Sorry about that. That's just one of my little uh, nuggets of information that nobody cares about. <laughs> I'm a train <laughs> 
I, I care about it, CBD. I do. I really do. <laughs> the, um, uh, but you know, whenever you have a, a couple of, um, you know, metal moving parts, you need to lubricate that. And that comes from oil too. In fact, the, um, um, takes quite a bit of oil to, to operate just one, um, windmill, you know, one wind turbine. And again, what, what are those, what are those blades made out of? They're not made out of wood, <laughs> at least not yet. <laughs> um, they're made out of plastics and other things that are, it's very petroleum heavy to make those things. They're so, made out of carbon fiber. Yep. And that's why they're, they're pretty much unrecyclable. In fact, there are very few um, landfills that will even accept, um, you know, detached uh, wind turbine blades. I think there's one in South Dakota, but there's only a few that will take it um, because they are dangerous. I mean, they're, they're, they're environmental hazards. Uh, but you know, the, the idea, like, what is it? The nut jobs is it in Britain? Is it called Just Stop Oil? Those guys, so those, those someone yeah. who throws yeah, tomato, tomato soup them. at art and stuff like that. Yeah, Just Stop Oil. Um, you know, they're they're demanding that there 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 shall be no more new oil and gas exploration in Britain, um, starting basically right now. Um, that's um, insane. That's crazy. These people are actually mentally ill sometimes i feel sorry for them they they are they are indoctrinated into a cult um you look in their eyes and you see these spinning spirals <laughs> you don't see irises uh they they are they've completely lost them uh, lost their um their minds but you can you know, you know you I, can feel, I would you, love it if they, i'm sorry go ahead i was saying you can feel sorry for them maybe but i'll tell yeah. you this who 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 is doing the brainwashing those are the people you want to get your your hands around their neck yeah. uh, rhetorically speaking of course oh, rhetorically ahead. speaking of course yeah <laughs> but you know i have you know the, i have actually no real problem with um the electrification of things if if that happens in a natural market um, market-based way. If we Thank need you. to make more electric cars um, for whatever reason, like if, if we're going to run out of oil or or you can you can figure out a way to power a vehicle on natural gas. Obviously, we see that now. I mean, there's lots of natural gas buses out there in most cities. Um, just in the United States, as a conservative estimate, we probably have 400 years worth of oil and natural gas underneath our feet in the continental United States. Um, to put that in perspective, that's pretty much almost the time. And in fact, I have a scientist who said it's actually more like 500 years to a thousand years of oil and natural gas under our feet in the United States. So say it's 500 years. I mean, that's when Columbus got here. That's the kind of timeline we're talking about on, on so-called running out of oil and natural gas. But if there was a, if there was a, a, a market-based or convenience-based or efficiency-based reason to completely um, radically transform the infrastructure of this country, um, you know, I could maybe get behind that, but we are doing it for no good reason because it doesn't um, actually help clean the environment. Um, it's going to make things a lot less efficient. It's going to despoil the environment, as a matter of fact, and it's completely unnecessary. Um, I don't, you know, and, and we're doing it absolutely the wrong way. Again, you can't electrify, you know, JJ, you talked about, you know, the um, in New York City, they don't let you build any new buildings in California as well with any natural gas hookups. Um, that's absurd. Natural gas is very cheap and plentiful, and it's also great to cook uh, to cook with. You might note that New York City exempted restaurants from that. So, you know, the restaurant industry gets to keep cooking with gas, but not you and me. Um, but, you know, you can't electrify everything and then take all of our coal plants off the grid and natural gas plants off the grid. You are courting disaster. 
That's like thinking you can fly just because you're flapping your arms and you go ahead. All right, we can just jump off the, the cliff, I guess. That's what's happening here. And eventually, I hope that reality takes hold of with our policymakers before blackouts take hold all over this country as a, as a regular thing. You know, you, you touched upon a very, very interesting point. Um, you know, we, first of all, going back to, I think CBD, you mentioned it with Luddism and, and, and all these things, and, and you, Jim, the... For, for thousands of years, human development was so slow and, and the, 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 um, uh, the, the lifespan of, a, of an average human being was what? Maybe if you're an old man, you were 30 years old. And if you didn't die of being either killed by a tyrant or a, a thug you were eaten by a bear, being 30 years old, you know, that, that was a long lifespan. And just in the course, it's self-evident over the course of the last the geometric progression of uh, since the industrial revolution of making lives better for people has meant we've gone from maybe a couple of billion people on the planet uh, maybe 100 years ago to now we're almost up to 8 billion people in the span of 100 or 150 years and that is in no small part due to the advances of science and the advances based on the industrial revolution on the steam engine which is powered by wood and by coal and oil and so on and so forth and it's the same thing, uh, Jim, you touched upon the natural. Look, I, too, I've, I've, I've said this many times. I have no problem with electric vehicles. If some genius Nikola Tesla comes up with the magic bullet, so to speak, that will power a freaking 747 with a battery the size of the one in your watch and that it'll last for 25 hours without a charge. Hey, man, put it on the market and make the better mousetrap and, and make the better mousetrap win. And what's amazing, you said we have 500, maybe to 1,000 years of oil under our feet, and you know, 500 years ago was Columbus. The rate of progress, if unimpeded by government and, and idiocy like this, if it's left to its own devices, can you imagine what will happen in maybe you know, 10 years from now? Maybe someone will come up with that battery. And Mazel Tov, and wonderful if they do that. But to do this, to force this on us now when it's just not there, we'll, we'll never get there because we're going to kill ourselves off. You know, the, that's, what you're talking about is very interesting, and that is the, the technological um, advances that we have made have been driven not by government mandate, but by the by the brilliance of man w without control uh, from government. You know, Jim, you mentioned that uh, that uh, that uh, we have between 400 and 500 years of oil and natural gas underneath our uh, uh, in the earth in the United States. Well, you know something? Add coal to that. And then, because coal does burn dirtier, you're absolutely right, take the billions and billions of dollars that we have pissed away on bullshit battery research and bullshit EV research and bullshit uh, research into, into nonsensical environmental uh, causes and focus that on burning coal cleaner. And my guess is that yeah we'd be able to burn coal cleaner and you know how much coal we have in this country probably five times that 500 years of oil and natural gas i know that uh, in that um it has been said that a cubic mile of wyoming can power america for a thousand years well let's do it you're here <laughs> oh i'm Jim, sorry yes uh, yeah i gonna say yeah let, let's do it in a way that's um that's cleaner um, if, you know, and we can do it cleaner and cleaner, but we're abandoning, abandoning it. And, you know, um, you know, coal has a bad reputation, but there's a reason why coal fueled the industrial revolution because it's, 
it's so dense. It's so energy dense. Um, you get so much energy out of such a small thing um, compared to any other source of energy. It's just, you know, it's better. It's more efficient and dense than wood, than, than, than oil, than natural gas. It's number one, as far as being able to power um, stronger and longer and, um, you know, with less, uh, you know, with less use of it. It's just, it's just amazing. But yeah, it, it, the, the, the irony here is that by artificially imposing so-called progress on the world when it comes to energy, we are impeding actual progress on technology and doing things better. You know, maybe, maybe the electrification of everything is the future, but it's not now. And we don't, it's not ready. We can't impose it. You can't just wish it into existence. And by doing this, we are impoverishing ourselves in both imagination and innovation in ways that we can't perceive, unless you think about it for a minute, that there are so many opportunities for advancement that we are not getting because we are going down this fake bullshit. I'm glad I can swear on this podcast. Bullshit road of, electrif <laughs> of electrifying everything. Um, we're, we are missing out. We don't know it. We don't know exactly what we're missing out, but we are definitely missing out on a lot of innovation because we are trying to force the future to be here now. Um, the future comes through innovation. Innovation comes through efficiency and imagination. And everything no. that, that the ruling class is doing as far as energy policy is concerned works against that. You know, forget about Tesla for a moment, uh, you know, with Elon Musk. But now think about Elon Musk and SpaceX and what he's been doing. And we have a, another friend of ours, Bob Zimmerman, who has a great, wonderful blog about science and other things I call Behind the Black. And he's, you know, constantly, you know, just in awe of, of Elon Musk, who is he alone has launched more satellites and has launched more things into space than uh, the, the governmental programs of like America England and China combined. Yeah. And here's a guy, because he's now politically out of favor with this junta, is, is they're attempting to strangle him because of that, because of the Twitter thing and everything else. But if left to his own devices, can you imagine what an Elon Musk would be able to do, maybe with Tesla, maybe with the battery, or even with, with SpaceX and all the things, the, the wonderful things that, that the privatization of, of uh, space exploration will do. But because he's an enemy and because he doesn't go along with the, the meme, then, uh, you know, he's he's persona non grata and it's a, at the least and, and probably an enemy of the state uh, at the most. And ditto with every other scientist who refute you, who doesn't want to go along with the, uh, you know, to, to get the bucks to write the bullshit papers like that guy. I think a couple of weeks ago in The New York Post, it was an article. He admitted that in order to, to, to get along, you got to you got to go along. And, you know, and so this is it's it's strangling science in the name of in the name of just a political agenda. And what, look at what I mean. And then now we can go off into tangents of uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, woke nonsense, uh, you know, affirmative action and, and putting the most incompetent people in, you know, in in positions of science and math and so on and so forth and government who have no no reason to be there other than the fact that their skin color or their gender or their whatever. And this is, you know, we're 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 crazying ourselves to death here. You know the the damage that this the, the whole idea of net zero and 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 getting rid of the internal combustion engine and moving us into the cities the damage it has done I think is probably most profound to the scientific establishment because it it has converted what should have been a dispassionate and objective um, thing into an overtly political uh, partisan 
activity that is simply not trusted by the vast majority of, of uh, certainly the, the, the biochemical or, or the, uh, the biological research in the United States is, is not trusted by America. And I think that, uh, you know, it, be, it began with the ridiculous, I mean, obviously flawed research that they, that they did um, into weather starting, what, 30, 35 years ago. But I think that in and of itself has destroyed science as we know it. Oh, yeah. I mean, science is complete, especially environmental science is completely politicized. Uh, if you don't, um, and a lot of it, is, of course, is because of government. Um, you know, if you look in academia, you don't get grants. You don't get a grant if you're a, if you're a climate scientist or an atmospheric scientist or a geologist or something like that. You, you don't get a, you, your grant proposal will not be approved if you put in there that you were actually trying, you're trying to actually determine the human impact on the climate and on the environment. No, no, no. You have to say that you are measuring how bad the human influence is on, on the environment. Um, so it's no longer, in fact, the, um, the um, UN's um, Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, um, its mandate from the beginning was not to determine if human activity is causing a climate crisis. It was to determine specifically, it was to determine how much um, are humans ruining the environment? So when you the whole thing has been politicized and um, and rigged, frankly, um, for for decades. And so we, you know we do work with a lot of scientists who buck who buck that trend. Um, they do get published in the peer review literature. It's almost uh, you know it's almost a miracle that it happens on occasion. But um, you know there there is not a, an institution that the left has not gotten its hands on that it is not ruined and corrupted and that includes the scientific community in the united states at least and certainly around the world actually dr lysenko uh please pick up the uh the courtesy phone and uh, dr <laughs> fauci dr fauci is on the line and has a message for you absolute insanity so uh, but uh, you know i remember years ago seeing a clip of i believe it was and i'm sure you know who this is jim uh, dr judith curry yes, uh, yes. along with uh, mark stein at a congressional hearing and uh that idiot from Massachusetts, Ed Markey, that they, they got into an argument with, and basically both Curry and, and Stein pants the guy. It was it was actually a glorious thing to see. But um, yeah, the 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 politicization of this whole thing. These are the people that are in charge, and they are literally strangling us uh, every you know nine ways till Sunday, to, to quote Mr. Schumer, um, in in progress and and in moving forward because they have an agenda, and the agenda is to is to kill everybody that they can't control. Wipe out two billion people and the other few billion, uh, you know, uh, put us in a pen somewhere and, uh, and and eat our insects like good little, you know, like good little uh, proletarians. Um, unbelievable. You know, it's, kill everyone this, they this, can't. I'm sorry, kill everyone Jim, go they ahead. can't control. I'm sorry. I was just going to say that 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 phrase is so accurate and chilling. But they want to kill everyone they can't control. I can't argue with that. I can't tell you you're wrong on that, JJ. I wish I could. That's also no, you, Islam, but that's besides yes, the that's point. that's true. You know, you, you look at you, the, the, the nonsense that, that the world is overcrowded is also something that, that just infuriates me. We're not overcrowded. You know, there are, there, there are countries that are crowded because they're small and they have a lot of people. But there are countries that have thousands and thousands of square miles of, 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 of room because man hasn't expanded into those places yet. You know, you look at the United States. We're what? I don't know. Three million square miles. Who the hell knows what the number is? And uh, what does that what does that mean? It means that it's mostly empty space, 
And yet these people are talking about, oh, we have to be more efficient. You know, we, we use too much land. Um, how are we going to live when we have 9 billion people on Earth? It's just nuts. It's, 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 it's enumerate. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. And actually, what they're hoping is that we are too lazy to examine the numbers that they, that they produce and say, hey, wait a second, you're simply wrong. You know, it's amazing is that you to illustrate that I heard somewhere and I think it's it's verifiable that if you took every person on planet Earth, you could fit them. It's about seven and a half, seven billion people at the time. You could fit them all on the in the state of Texas with plenty of room to spare. Yes. That's pretty, and the density would be something like uh, like uh, Brooklyn. It would be it would be yeah. manageable. I mean, I people, I, you know, I apologize. Brooklyn is is it's the. The New York City's biggest borough. It's got the most people, but it's also the. Um, it's actually spread out. It's very interesting to look at. It is a sprawling borough. I'm mean, born yeah. raised in, but it's it's yeah. You could, you know, but that's but you know, go tell yeah, us but, to, but to the Texans. The, the, the Texans don't want us. No. Yeah, we would irritate them too much. Listen, folks, we're going to take a little bit of a break, then come back, and I would like to uh, to poke at Jim a little bit and ask him his his thoughts on some other topics. Back in a flash. back uh, with the Cut Jib Newsletter Speaks podcast with our wonderful special guest, Jim Lakely of the Heartland Institute. Uh, and we're going to do some quick hits with him just to wrap things up with our final segment and CBD uh, fire away at our guest. Nice. So Jim, I asked this of, of um, many of our guests, and that is, uh, who do you think is going to be the Republican nominee in 2024? And who do you think is going to be the Democrat nominee in 2024? <laughs> Wow. Uh, actually, do think it is going to be Donald Trump, um, uh, for better or worse. Uh, and, and I don't think uh, Biden is going to be the nominee. I think it's going to be. Um, um, well, actually, I think he's going to be removed from the presidency. And um, then um, Kamala Harris will be challenged and we will have a Gavin Newsom versus Donald Trump face off. Oh, Lord. Nice. Bold prediction. <laughs> Brill that sounds like fun. Over. I love it. Yeah. So, um, it, a little bit more seriously, um, how do again? It's expanding into into topics that perhaps Jim doesn't want to discuss, but we're going to do it anyway. Um, <laughs> the current situation in the middle in the Middle East, um, you know, putting aside for a moment the the catastrophic failures of Israeli intelligence, uh, Israeli uh, military preparedness. Um, how, how do you see this going forward um, in terms of the, the world community? Because that seems to be something that you, you actually look at um, from, the, from other perspectives. But how do you think that the world community is going to respond to what is going to be a, uh, a ground incursion, a significant ground incursion into Gaza and perhaps into Lebanon to, uh, to push Hezbollah back? Well, I think we've already seen that. Um, we've seen, you know, from our ruling class and from um, just about every quarter, we've seen condemnation and anti condemnation of Israel and anti-Semitism um, out in the open 
all over the world. It's really um, quite shocking. Um, maybe we shouldn't be shocked about it, but um, you know, the, what what is obviously happening right now is that um, Biden is is supportive publicly of of Netanyahu, yet keep, keeps telling him to to hold back and to not um, you know not overreact to what happened. But uh, you know, you 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 watch the videos of the absolute brutality and cruelty of what happened to innocent women and children and men and old people um just going about their lives in israel um the the slot it's it's almost literally unimaginable until you see it with your own eyes and to to tell israel that it has to show proportional response well they should say okay great <laughs> if that's our standard um you're probably not going to like what's, what's going to happen next but i'm actually a little bit um uh, discouraged that israel has not um yet started its ground campaign in earnest um what is the holdup? Uh, all you're doing is really making it. You're st- every day that um, this absolute atrocity is not countered and, frankly, punished, is a day that uh, got, uh, that Hamas is getting away with one of the worst human atrocities. Well, I've, obviously, the greatest uh, atrocity against Jews since the Holocaust. It's I just it baffles my mind. It, it, Israel is going to be condemned no matter what they do. So just do what needs to be done. Well, I agree completely with what you just said. Um, I, I, in fact, I wrote about this yesterday on Ace of Spades um, in my uh, morning rant. Um, and some of the pushback I got back from the that I got from the commentators was quite interesting. Um, and a, a fair number of them uh, wrote about how Israel needs to, uh, what to do what is essentially preparing the battle space. You know, collecting intelligence and and um, do doing some training and and streamlining their own communications uh, and so on and so forth. So, uh, one guy in particular who has a fair amount of combat experience said, "Don't worry about it. Uh, they're doing what should be done right now, and the delay makes perfect military sense." Um, I kind of tend to to I want to agree with that, and I, I'm hoping that's the case. I have a friend of mine who also echoed that sentiment. I mean, if you also parallel it with World War II, after Pearl Harbor, we were knocked back on our ass for six months, yeah. and then finally we were able to, to to rally our strength. And you know, the what happened in the Philippines, notwithstanding, we beat them and broke their back at midway, and then it was a bloody slog ever since. I, I hope it's not a bloody slog for Israel. I have a feeling it will be, but um, yeah, you can't just sort of. I mean, as much as we want to, I mean, Israel does not have a fleet of B-52s and B-2s just to freaking turn Gaza into Dresden, too. Um, you know, so they can't really do that practically. So at least that they can do it intelligently, gather the intelligence and go in and, you know, wipe out without very little consideration. Certainly, you know, consideration for hostages is there, but, you know, it can't be it has to be secondary, certainly for civilians. I could frankly, I could care less about them because they voted for it and they support it. So there you go. Well, folks, uh, it looks like we are uh, coming up against a hard stop. Um, Our guest today has been Jim Lakely of the Heartland Institute, and we have had a fascinating discussion. Um, The reason I segued into other things is because, I I mean, I could have talked about this forever. I love the topic of of the EV madness and the net zero insanity and the the, the top-down destruction of of pretty much uh, everything in the United States. Um, But... uh, I'm going to put Jim Lakely on the spot again and ask him to come back and uh, and talk 
talk some more about these fascinating topics. I would love to come back. Love, love the podcast. Love Ace of Spades. Call me anytime. But uh, don't call me Shirley. Uh, for CBD, it's J.J. Sefton from the Cut Jib News Radio Network. Jim Lakely from the Heartland Institute. Thank you for a wonderful hour. It's been a lot of fun, very enlightening. And uh, we will see all of you on the next one uh, next week. So thanks again for listening. Thanks for listening, folks. <laughs>